Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 68. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have fifth-degree black belt Márcio Pedipano Cruz. Pedipano is a six-time IBJJF world champion, a DCC world champion, and a UFC veteran. He owns and operates two academies in Florida. He shared how he transferred his competition mindset to business. He talked about taking responsibility and stopping blaming others for your own mistakes, something that he mentioned he did himself early in his career. My takeaway from the interview came right at the beginning of the interview when I asked how jiu-jitsu relates to life, and his answer was the ability to solve problems, which inspired me to title this episode, Solving Problems Using a BJJ Mindset. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share with you four steps to solving any business problem. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Marcio Pedipano Cruz. Pedipano is a fifth-degree black belt, six-time IBJJF world champion, a DCC 2013 world champion, and he's a veteran of the UFC and IFL. He owns and operates two schools in Florida. Pedipano, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Gustav, for having me. It's a pleasure to share a little bit of my journey as a fighter, as a businessman. Yeah, I've been following your career for a long time. You have, man, I have accomplished so many things. And, man, actually, in 2002, I think... That was at the World Cup, the first time they did it, first week, the same weekend of the World Championship. And I think you're scheduled to compete in both tournaments, right? And I think you won Saturday, so you were, I think you were in the finals on Sunday for the, for the Open class, so you didn't do the World Cup. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So the funny thing is I was going to Brazil just to visit um, family, and I just actually had some uh, personal issues that I needed to take care of it. and. I asked uh, the dad back then, like, hey, how many people in the division? I'm like, man, I have like seven, eight guys in a lightweight division. I'm like, man, I was like, nah. And he said, is there anyone in a ultra heavy? And I said, yeah, there's, uh, I think there's like two or something. And I was like, well, we can put me as a t- uh, team B. And when the brackets came out, they just put on on wall and stuff. And then 
my first match would be against you. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> but, you know, luckily you didn't show up because you had, you know, you went to the fighter, the other one. So we end up not, not competing in that tournament, end up going the other one. And actually ended up winning a couple of mats and t- uh, took third, you know, so that was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, there was interesting that, um, yeah, I would get smashed by you. I had no business in being that division, but it just Never happened know. that I got, I got lucky there. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> so how did Jiu-Jitsu show up in your life? Martial arts in general, did you train anything before Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, the way I, I knew Jiu-Jitsu was a little bit complicated. Uh, I was a very troubled kid, and my mom raised me and my brother by herself. My dad left us was uh, 10 years old, something like that. And then, uh, you know, like in Brazil, you always play on the street, getting fu- into a fight, a lot of things going on at the same time. And my mom got to work to uh, give food to us. So I was making bad stuff, not treating people well. So my mom sent me to my grandfather's house to uh, come down a little bit. So that time, one of my like childhood friends, actually he went for preschool for my brother, my older brother. So uh, we, we knew each other for a while. He was like probably, he's older than me a couple of years, one or two years. And then uh, he started jiu-jitsu with uh, Carlos Henrique. Uh, we, uh, my, uh, f- uh, my, uh, my grandfather, he's living out da Boa Vista in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, he, this guy started training Tijuca with Carlos Henrique. So he uh, fell in love for jiu-jitsu since day one. He, he convinced his mom to uh, remove all the furniture from the living room and put like mm. carpet to train jiu-jitsu. So and one day I was there and I, w- I was watching, I said, what is that? He's like, this is jiu-jitsu. He's like, oh, like ninja? He's like, no, no, jiu-jitsu is different. I said, okay. And then I put a gi on, he had an old gi, I put a gi on and start like rolling. I didn't know anything, but I fell in love with that day. But like uh, I was asking my mom that I could sign up on Tijuca to train, but my mom was planning to bring me back home soon. So I wasn't able to sign up and get classes of Jiu-Jitsu. So when I came back, I keep that in my mind. So I keep searching a place to train, but you know, 1994, 95, wasn't that... uh, like now you find a school everywhere back in the day we didn't have that you had like baja uh copacabana and then Novo union that was three places to train so i didn't have many school around I have one that i was a little bit far away from my house and i was like 15 my mom didn't want me like take a bus to go to the place and then i signed up for a judo uh, close to my house. And then I trained a little bit, but uh, I already kind of like tried pull guard. And I had some movements that I learned like that week or two that I trained you for my friend. By the way, my friend is a Flavio Leluia. He's a... Uh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's a 
partner with uh, Andre Terencio on the Brazil yes. uh, uh, 021. So he was teaching me. And then if I tell you, don't believe you because like two weeks of training doesn't give you many things. But I, 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 I already had some talent of ground game. I don't know why or how, but I went through the judo class and I was taking, bring some problem for the guys, the brown belts, purple belts, even the black belts on the ground. And then, uh, but I always like kind of pulling guard. I didn't fit very well on the judo. So, but I, I did a tournament as a white belt. And then I fought against like black belts and that stuff. In judo, you don't have breakdowns belt. You got to fight against everybody. So, and then, I don't know, I had some like uh, feeling of competition. And I didn't well, but still I, 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 I like it to step on the mat. And then uh, after that, I was like swimming a little bit. And then my, uh, and then Cabellinho, Luis Enrique Cabellinho, he's just start teaching jiu-jitsu right on the, the, the neighborhood that I live. I could not believe because I knew Cabellinho before because he lived in Alta Boa Vista, whereas my uh, grandfather uh, lived. So, and then I started training since day one. I fell in love with jiu-jitsu. I started training every day. I, and then again, I had some talent. And then in two weeks of training, I was doing well and then bringing some problems for blue belts. And, and then it started like how I getting into jiu-jitsu nice and how do you feel jiu-jitsu relates to life yeah that's uh i mean this just happened like a couple years ago because i had a uh idea that uh jiu-jitsu is just competition jiu-jitsu is just competing just uh, the the guy's just good if he's one tournament because that was the way that i find you show everybody that I had a good jiu-jitsu. But after you get your black belt and you learn a little bit about life, you realize that's not the most important thing. It's like way, way more than that. So after that, I started learning everything that I use in competition as uh, when I had a difficult, when I go inside of submission, I learned that I the only way I could do better it's like okay relax look you where you at and learn how and try the best way to get out that's i bring for life when i had a big problem in my life i said like okay relax see what you can do if you can do something to escape you do if not you tap and start over that's my mindset for life is still today you know and if you and a big big problem, I always think like it, it is it is something that I can do to help. If the answer is yes, I do it. If not, I relax, kind of tap, and start over. That's how I relate to Jiu-Jitsu to life. That's basically how I do it. Yeah, problem solving, always dealing with how we're gonna deal with this situation, that situation. Absolutely. And when, do you, when was the moment that you had in a spark to think, you know what, I think I can make a living with this, or I do want to make a living with this? How old were you? Yeah, that's, that's another f funny story about my, my life. 
uh, since day one, I get home and I told my mom, I said, mom, that's what I want to do. She started laughing. She's like, you crazy. She didn't <laughs> listen to you. And then like after that, I think after six months training jujitsu, uh, my mommy came to me and to my brother and said like, look, on my job is the things not going well. So we got to start like, stop spending some money. So she said, was paying like a private school to us. And then she, we, my brother wasn't the last year. I was like, he and I have to, to finish school. And then, uh, she asked, what are you guys going to do? You guys going to go to a public school? You guys going to work to pay your school? Because we like already like 18 years old and 19. And then I, uh, I said, you know what? I decided what I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to study jiu-jitsu and going to live uh, teaching, fighting. But back in the day, you know, 96, yeah. nobody lived about jiu-jitsu. Even the, even the big names, they got to always have something else to to bring you more money. So my, and my mom said like, no, you crazy. You cannot do that. I said like, no, mommy, I'm, I'm happy. I will uh, go for other stage to teach or something like that. But that's what I want to do in my life. So my brother started uh, working to finish his school and I give up uh, about everything. So my mom, she's get mad because of that. So she stopping giving me money for anything. And then, like, I, I believe after two or three months about that conversation, she came to me and said, no, Cabelinho stopped teaching on my neighborhood that I was walking for the, the, the place. And I remember my mom paid 30 uh, reais in Brazil for training jiu-jitsu. That's like $7, I believe now. <laughs> Yeah. So, and then the Cabellin got a fight with the guy, the owner, and he left. And he training, uh, he teaching a huge sports center in, in in Rio. That's a big academy, and the the, the monthly fee was like hundred something, two hundred. So, Cabellin got me and two another guys that he likes. So like, okay, I'm gonna give you guys like a free membership if you guys wanna come with me. So I come to my mom and say, mom, can you use that money to pay the bus? The only thing I'm going to ask you for. She's like, okay, you get a deal. So the only thing I'm going to give to you, I'm not buy you like shirt, shoes or anything. Because she used to buy like on the, on the Christmas, something like that. So I remember that I was very uh, happy with Jiu-Jitsu because I was learning so much and, and, and showing results. And then my mom, I think she using that to show me something and she really didn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. I remember I was training. My friends called me like, let's go for the birthday party. Birthday party, you don't have to pay for it. But I didn't have shoes or, or clothes to, to join. I said, like, no, I don't want to go. I, I want to, tomorrow I'm going to train, this and that. And it was like very, and I knew it. I started with like 18 years old. So I knew it. I was behind everybody. What and belt he, were you by that point? Uh, what? What belt were you by that point? No, uh, white belt. I see a white belt. Oh, wow. Everything. That's six months <laughs> of jiu-jitsu. On, on Cabellin left was seven months of jiu-jitsu. Oh, wow. That's how I was. Uh, but the, since the, the first uh, day I told my mom, she get like, what he's talking about? His white belt. He's 18. You don't think the guy going to start anything with 18 going to be something. 
you know? So then my mom, uh, okay, but he got to learn the lesson. She let me do it. And then I keep like training. And then uh, I didn't have anything that's making me focus on that, you know? And then the, I think that's coming, uh, the, my way to fight should never give up coming from there. All the difficulties I'd never thinking about. Oh, it will be hard or it's, it it's, uh, won't be easy. I never have that thoughts on my mind. I always like, I want to do this, but I was behind everybody. I remember when I was a white belt. So I fought with a guy that you know very well, Bruno Bastos, mm -hmm. yeah. on the tournament. And Cabelinho said, like, you're doing so well. Let's do that. You fight as a blue belt. If you win, you keep your blue belt. If you lose, you go back to white belt. I said, okay, the deal. And then and I fought off with two guys. On the, my first fight on the weight division, uh, I think we, uh, because like, I think it was some, uh, uh, Cabellini, he signed up me as a juvenile. But I already was the, on the year that you complete 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So by the, by the rule today, I was adult already. So, but he signed up me in the uh, juvenile division. So, and in my first fight on the, I was a, like medium half or something like that. I fought against like Flavio Almeida, Cachorrinho from Grace Barra. Cachorrinho started training for nine years old, seven years old. He had like 10 years of training and I had six months, seven months, something like that. So then uh, I lost and he signed up me for absolute. My second fight was like Bruno Basso. The other guy trained, started training six years old. So I had like 10 years of training as well. So I lost both mats. And then I, I remember I was working on the construction to buy a new gi and just bought a new gi to fight in the tournament. So I get my, I get the gi, I, I get home. I throw the new gi on the trash can. That was Friday night. Oh, Saturday night after tournament. So say that's not for me i want to give up but on sunday i was resting and say like you know why no that's that's not the way gonna end i gotta do something better gotta train more and so i i, I went to the trash can grab the gear back and start training so cabellino leave me if i'm not wrong another three or four months on the white belt and then i won some tournaments as white belt I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I fight before or after that, but I, I had some tournament. Back in the day, you know, didn't have many tournaments, yeah. you know, like. So, and then I, he promoted me, he promoted me as a blue belt. And then I said, like, okay, now I, I want to do something with that. And then I, that's, if I'm not wrong, I start training on uh, August 1996. Or I think October, if I'm not wrong. October, and then I, I stay like October, November, December, January. February was the first tournament. That, that one that I was talking about with, uh, or, or, or April, March, I don't remember the, the exactly. And then uh, after that, it was the first world championship, or the second world championship. The first one was in 1996. I didn't train at that time. The next one, I was watching the, the magazine. It's like, Oh, I want to do that for sure. I want to be on that magazine one day. And then I started training. But when I got my blue belt, it was after the wars. So 
they got a uh, states, the Rio de Janeiro States Championship. Then I fought for the first time. That's why my first big tournament. So I didn't have Cabelinho. He used to do a capoeira as well back in the day. So I said, Cabelinho, you're going to fight in the States? Like, oh, I have a batizado de capoeira, like a belt desk capoeira, something like that. And they said, okay, I'll do myself. I went with my friends. They didn't do jiu-jitsu. going to support me. They were screaming, go, go, go. And then I won. And it was a big thing. It's like I had like eight, nine months, almost a year of jiu-jitsu. And after that, I started believing so bad because when I signed up, nobody believed I could be a, a, a state champion with, like, without help, without support, mm -hmm. something like that. And then I remember they have, uh, back in the day, they call Brasileiro de Seleções. Is that kind of each state send your best for the, that's what was in Brasilia. Brasilia, yeah. Yeah, and then I followed two and then I won the tournament. And after that, I like, okay, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then that's was like, answer your question, like before a year or in a year, I, I was like 100% that that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, in a way, uh, I resonated the uh, moment in my life too. That was about I started training in 1989, but I think by when I was 16, that's when really I started to like put in my mind that okay, I want to be a jujitsu teacher. I want to have this, uh, of course, but the same thing. My mom back then be like, "Come on, you know what are you <laughs> gonna do with this? Like, you really need to go to college. You need to do this and that." You can and, play. You can play. Play is fine. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, jiu-jitsu is good. Keep away from trouble. Yeah. But, yeah, we're not doing that. So, uh, the interesting thing is how people have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success. And, like, the same way that your mom had a different perception of the meaning of the word success, my mom had a different one. And they did with the best intentions possible of to protect you in a way that no, don't go to this route because you're gonna hurt or you're gonna end up hurting yourself, hurting yourself as far as financially or emotionally, you're not gonna make any money and all that. And that's what, that's a perception they had about success. So I think it's super important because uh, if you see, man, you're so young when you make the decision. I was very young too. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that wish they'd be doing something else right now, but they're not because they still caught up on their parents' opinion of what they should be doing with their lives. They're like 30 years old and say like, no, you shouldn't do this. And people be like, yeah, I don't know. And when they don't understand that, man, that's a different perception of success. So when I, when I finally, I went to college, I went to a, a public school, which was good that I didn't have to pay. My mom couldn't say anything. But she was so mad that I was going for physical education. You're going to be a PE teacher. You're not going to make any money. And I'm like, who's talking about money? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about I want to have a gym, especially in Brazil. As you know, most of the jiu-jitsu programs were inside gyms. So that's the only reference that I have. I said, well, if I'm going to work with jiu-jitsu, I think it would be nice if I have my college degree in physical education so I can have a gym and maybe can do do personal training or whatever so that was kind of my mindset for that it just happened that i finished the school and then uh, i had the opportunity to, to come to the u.s but it's interesting how people have this uh different perceptions of success you know what i mean 
Yeah, that's that's the culture that I I, I believe is Brazilian culture, and that's bad for children, parents, and the country. So in Brazil, the kid born to study, to make a test, to find a job in the government, and make the same money for the rest of the life. It's a good money, but I, that will be the death for me. How are we going to know how much money you're going to make with 75 years old? That's My life is done already. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to do whatever you want. It's, it's kind of like weird to me. That's why with my kids, I, I left open. I said, don't think about money because money is not, if you don't love, you don't make money. You see how many guys got a, a college degree and throw away. You have just a certificate on the wall and that's as a bad, you know? So I, I, my son, uh, I was kind of like thinking about this. Uh, I said like, okay, I didn't have opportunity to go to college. And then the happiest days day of my life, it would be the, the day that my son got his degree in college. That's be, that was my idea of, success that mm-hmm. was telling him about I'll, I'll fall for that as well mm-hmm. i don't blame your mom but i fall for <laughs> that too so what happened was my uh my son he moved to us with 15 years old that was a bad uh age if he didn't speak any english left his friends behind so everything was hard for him so i didn't push him too hard i didn't ask him anything I just let him do whatever he wants to do, okay? So that was a mistake that I made because I should be supporting him, uh, bringing him to me because everything that I said, said, you got to make friends. He's like, wow, America sucks because he didn't open up to have a new f- friends. So he stayed home playing video games with his friend from Brazil he went to school, but he didn't uh, get having, people. Yeah, yeah, have enough time to learn English because 15, you finish two years later, four or three years later, you don't have enough time to uh, learn English to get to do good on the school. And then uh, he got a, he stay home and eating uh, junk food. He got fat, and then I I said like, I don't think you'll be good pushing him right now, even if you know. I, I, I let him do it. I was like, but are you, you got to go to college. I was pushing him. The only thing I was pushing him was, you got to go to college. I'm going to support you, this and that, because I didn't know what he wanted to do. So in 2016, that's not so many uh, time ago, he, uh, I got an invitation to fight in Abu Dhabi on the tournament they call Legends, uh, super fights with uh, – old school guys. So I was uh, arriving in Brazil for done some stuff. I got to uh, finish in Brazil. And then uh, Gordo, Alberto Correa, he comes I'm like, oh, the guys here is thinking about to put some legend to fight. You, you think you can do it? I said like, oh, I'm not training. But you know, I can do it because I thought like Abu Dhabi was a, uh, doing great job with the program, they're putting schools and that's long story. And then I say, oh, okay, I want to be part of this. I want to see with my eyes if that's true or not. And then, I, okay, they said, oh, you're going you're gonna to have your ticket, going to give a ticket for your coach. So, okay. 
when I'm traveling back from Brazil to U.S., I said, like, okay, my son, he's uh, uh, 19, 18 years old. I think it would be a good uh, time to have a first uh, travel, just us, because we travel with family. But his was like a man already. He was like seven, 16, 17, something like that. 17. And then I invited him. He like, yo, let's go. And then when he get there, he realized that's what he wants for his life. He's mm. like, oh, everybody respect my dad. Oh, everybody like, want to take a picture for my dad. So, okay, I want to do that. He wasn't trained jiu on that time because he uh, was out of shape. He doesn't want to train. But after this, he changed it. He started training every day. He got to, like, struggling with something, and I was supporting him. He was struggling with, like, oh, I don't have strength, this and that, because the, the guys that are stronger – was beating him and said, like, look, Jiu-Jitsu is not about that. Jiu-Jitsu is not the, about the strongest going to win. Can I use the technique? I want to change his mind about that. And then he started training a lot. And then he started fighting. And my friends asked me, like, oh, that's good. He's fighting. Like, I said, no, that's not a, what I want from, from him. Not because of him, but because I want to pressure him to do what I do. You know? Because the kind of pressure, I said, like, you're doing because you want. If I, if I could choose, I say no, because it's too much pressure. Be a professor and dad at the same time. If you be a good professor, you're probably going to push him away as a father. If you treat him as a son, you push him away from a professor. So it's a really, really hard uh, thin situation. Line. Yeah. Yes. And then we got struggling a lot on the journey. We're talking about 2016. That's just three years. <laughs> I just realized that now. But he got a, like, full-time uh, jiu-jitsu fighter. And then he got a, like, little bit difficult dealing with mindset for tournament. On the academy, he's doing well. Really, one year after that, he was doing great. Beating everybody. I said, oh, this kid is good. He got a potential. I said, okay, let, let me support him. And then, you know, you travel for compete before, so it's expensive as hell make <laughs> a uh, 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 jiu-jitsu fighter today yeah. and now he's got a tournament every other weekend <laughs> around you you know so he started like competing and then he's struggling with that I said like you gotta listen to me I had a good mindset you gotta listen oh it's not easy and he got a struggling with that but he improves he learned how competing the only thing he could not do it I told him look right here it's, I tell him all the time that I say, right here with me, you got two doors, okay? One door, be a real champion. The other door, quit. You don't have another option. You cannot be like, okay, you cannot be, that's the way I do. And I know, like, I mean, I'm putting money on that. I'm putting my time on that. It, it, it's hard. And then he's like always complaining, oh, you're too hard with me. I say, like, yeah, it is what it is. And then, like, uh, after that three years they start training this year was a coincidence but uh, 1999 I become a world champion for the first time as a purple belt in, in, in 2019 he won his first world title as a purple belt too 
That is awesome. So it's uh and after that he's like, Yeah, every time dad and my dad like yelling me, doing all the stuff with me, I was bullying him mm-hmm. because the life will bully him. The tournament will bring a pressure that nobody knows if you didn't compete. You don't know what the pressure be under the tournament. You got a bracket uh like soccer, you go on the, the field with another 20 guys and you can blame anybody about the mm-hmm. the loss and jiu-jitsu it's you and your people said oh my coach he's gonna coach me coach doesn't help at all you gotta do yourself so i was like bring hard time to him because like if i don't do it the life will do it so he learned the lesson he's doing well yeah that's awesome to hear i very similar my son came here with 15 too so that was a very hard transition for him as well of making friends and all that kind of stuff so i'm uh, now he just started and i wanted him i said man same thing very similar to you like man i want you to do whatever you're you know you feel like it i feel like when you're saying i feel the same way i felt like at one point i think i just let it way too loose you know for him to figure it out i think i let way too loose but the good thing is now that he just started a community college so, which is good. I mean, because he doesn't know really what to do. He's a blue belt. He's actually pretty good. He's just um, actually a pretty decent performer. He competes well. But I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, maybe because the dad does it, the owner of the school, the whole, the, the same thing that everything you just described, it's very, very similar. They're in the same age group. So, I'm just little by little kind of helping in a way, and have him to help me sometimes or like today, for example, we're going to have some uh, some new kids in the kids' class, and he's good with the kids. So, like, come in, you know, just come in, just kind of help out and stuff like that. Uh, just kind of get him involved a little bit. Now, what did you say? Because you mentioned about the, the jiu-jitsu mindset, the competition mindset. How did you transfer this to business, which means how people who are listening to this, who entrepreneurs or even aspiring entrepreneurs, and they train jiu-jitsu. Some of them, they have competed before. Some, they don't. But what are some of the tips that you can give to people based on the mindset that you use for competition to business? Okay. I'm going to ask you, just let me break it down to different. Like, we're talking about this uh, success. We're talking about, like, that's all the same thing that I think this way works. Okay? So, every time that some friend comes to me, it's like, oh, I'm thinking about opening up a uh, uh, BJJ school. I want to give up my career to open a BJJ school. I see my friends living a good life at BJJ school. Okay, that that's good. But my question is, what's your dream? Okay, if you just want to make money on top of jiu-jitsu, you can have a Mac Dojo. That's completely fine i'm not judging who's doing that but i also also asking my friends by now when you're struggling with money you really want to do that but 10 years from now they look for your students and they're really soft really bad in jiu-jitsu will you have the same feeling that you have now in your career you think you'll be a good change for you 
but I, then I tell him like if you if you go the right way, I can tell you it'll be ten times harder to succeed as business. And I always try, okay, let's use jujitsu in life, in the business. When you get a, to pass a guard and the guy connect a good sweep, what do you have to do? Balance. That's what I tell everybody. We have to balance out business and level. I, I always like to say that. I'm going to explain why. Those schools that grow so fast with those uh, marketing thing, karate style, all this thing, they grow fast, but uh, they go down fast. So there will be a, like a lot of work every month to put in more people in and get people going out because that's the, the, the karate, American karate way. I was listening to a, a guy who supposedly teach you how be uh, rich as a martial arts industry. And then I was listening to him and he said, you have to get all the money that you can from the students in one year and a half. That's a lifetime the students will be on your school. After that, I say like, so probably I'm doing it wrong or he's doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Most of my students is like with 10 years with me, seven years. See, like, okay, could be he's had his vision. I have my vision. But my school is kind of solid. It's not melting if the economy go bad. It's not because uh, uh, launch another thing, you know, like boxing stuff, uh, 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 Thai bull or something like that. It's real. The guys uh, training and then feeling that like, okay, I'm, I'm, I always, when they teach my instructors, I do an instructor course in my school. I say like, what is the main, main thing that uh, the, the, the jiu-jitsu instructor, the, the main mission? They say like, teaching jiu-jitsu, teaching jiu-jitsu, teaching jiu-jitsu. They're like, no. Your main mission is make sure your student fall in love for jiu-jitsu because then you have a chance to teach jiu-jitsu because if you don't make him fall in love with jiu-jitsu he's gonna train for a month and leave in one month you're not able to teach any jiu-jitsu to him so i tell him what your men go on the the class today make sure your students show up for the next class then you get a chance to teach jiu-jitsu him if you're just worrying about like, oh, I got to teach you armbar for this guy, armbar. He's not ready for that yet. You got to make him like, okay, how I can get better in jiu-jitsu? The only way you can get better in jiu-jitsu is training. I got a bad news for the uh, key, keyboard warriors that are behind the, the, the computer. If you train jiu-jitsu twice a week, you won't, make, you won't be good in jiu-jitsu. Oh, I don't have time. I'm not asking you what are you saying, what are you doing, what do you have. I'm telling you, training jiu-jitsu twice a week is not bring you anywhere. Okay, well, but that's bad for our business. A lot of guys train twice a week. I'm not saying he cannot make it, but his expectation got to be low. 
you're gonna take a while for him learning, you're gonna take a while to get his belt. So, you know, some schools, they got a, a system. If you train twice a week, in eight months, you get a blue belt. If you train twice a week, after a year and a half, you get a purple belt. After two, twice a, a, a week, one year, that's me like four years and a half, he was a black belt. So that's a, such a lie. That's not true. A lot of guys is got me, you know, wearing a black belt, but he's not even close to a black belt. You know, black belt's not just about jiu-jitsu. It's not about, it's about a lot of things. You don't have enough time to teach them if they train twice a week. You don't have in, even a, a minimal contact to teach him, not just jiu-jitsu. I'm talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about you got you gotta like a patch of jiu-jitsu on your back every day when you're a black belt. Because people are like, oh, this is a black belt. If you do something wrong, that's going to reflect on my business, going to reflect on my life because I'm a real black belt. That's why I don't give black belts away. Uh, that's why I don't agree with this kind of like association thing. It, it, I'm kind of like old school. Most of my friends is, disagree with me, but I still think in the same way. And then I tell everybody, the easy way is not the best way. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting you said uh, we have mentioned here in the podcast a few times too. When you mentioned about come, you know, going to train to us a week or they're like, okay, I'm not saying you can't make, but you need to lower your expectations. And that's uh, there's a book, The Art of Learning. I actually create an audio about that for one of the uh, uh, one of the podcasts. That the question is, how competent would you like to be in the skill that you're learning? You know, if they say you want to be okay, you want to be good, decent, or you want to be great, you want to be among the best at what they do, because I don't care what skill you're trying to develop, you want to, you want to be a professional guitar player and you play twice a week, that is not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You're going to learn how to play, absolutely. And the same thing, like, can you learn jiu-jitsu twice a week? Yeah, it's going to take you a long time to develop and so forth, yes. But again, I, I, I like to say that jiu-jitsu is not different than any other skill that you want to be very efficient at it. More time you dedicate to yourself to do it, more you do it. That would be language. The same thing. If you practice a language once a week, ever, it's going to be tougher to get a, a really solid, fluent conversation. This is another lesson you should bring for life. You don't get good in jiu-jitsu twice a week. You don't get good on anything twice a week. If you go to school to, to, twice a week, going to take like, 10 years to get your degree. So you got to learn about that. But, yeah. that's the, but the thing is, I always try to uh, explain, of course, the guy, the guy that who, who worked on that another thing, that uh, have a family, he trained twice a week, he's fine. He's completely fine. But he cannot expect that he's going to submit everybody. Exactly. He'll, be, he'll be like, uh, okay. He's gonna take like long at my school. He's gonna take longer to get belts. Uh, he's gonna like learn how to deal with getting uh, smash it, and then it's not good to be smashed every day. So that's another thing. Most of the jujitsu practitioner they quit because of that, because it's not easy. I tell my students, you deal with that. I deal with that. 
I'm gonna train today, okay? And then you won't watching TV, drinking beer. So like, I'm crazy. I'm gonna stop doing that to get there, and those guys kick my ass. Mm. That's not good feeling, you know. I still, I, I'm, I'm still. Oh, you're a black belt, fifth degree. You this and that. I'm still there. I get there. I look to my sensor like, holy shit! I oh, roast this guy today. I don't think it would be a good idea. But I gotta force myself, and that's how you learn be tough, go go over any difficulties because of that. That you should give to you. I think every time the guys come to my school and tell, oh, I might, I want my kids to learn jujitsu defending themselves, the movements will help a little. I think the most important thing jujitsu gives to kids is confident to try. If the guy know how punch, but go to school and the guy like, oh, I'm going to punch you. And you're like, oh, I start crying. Punch will not help. You mm -hmm. get at least had the confidence to try let me defend myself. Let me try. When you start trying, the other guy think twice. Oh, my God. What now? You know? And I always say that. The most important thing is the confidence to do, even to try. But when you get a smash every day and you don't learn anything, it's hard to keep dealing with that. It is. Now, what would you say is the one of your toughest entrepreneurial experiences? And having your school or any phase of your life, maybe even dealing with a professional career, but let's go more towards your business, your schools. What are some of the biggest struggles that you have faced and what did you learn from it? The, the, the biggest struggle was being a world champion, good in jiu-jitsu. Because then I transferred that to the business. When I came here, they're like, what? This guy had no student? The guy had no title, got a student? I'm world champion. I'm going to have like three <laughs> times more student. And that's the biggest mistake I haven't made. You have to thinking about is the two different things. I mean, three different things. One, be a competitor. It's really, really hard, really, really tough, but it's one thing. Be a professor. It's completely different thing. And be a, a, a person that run the business is another thing. So most of the time, those guys try to be those three things at the same time. Let me share, share you thing that I've been studying about. I was uh, traveling with my son for competing a lot of places. And then I started uh, visiting schools with another vision, okay? Before, I was a vision as an athlete. I want to see if the guy's tough, if the train's good. Now I go as a businessman and say, like, let me see which way uh, these guys run this business. For my surprise, uh, I, I don't have a exact number because I didn't. Uh, Kept track of anything. Yeah, or, or I don't have the number, but like almost I didn't see any uh, the schools now that is run as a business. They run as a club. You pay a fee to train. Let me explain you why. The guy is not feeling as a customer that he can call for the office to solve a problem. He go to the professor, hey, professor, my, my card is, okay, that's okay. So the professor run the office, and then I, I, I start thinking about my business because I don't know if you know, 
Florida is the one of the hardest uh, place to have a jiu-jitsu school. It's if you go now on the Facebook market and open up like uh, sports, you're gonna see like everybody selling have bags, masks, this and that. The schools is closing because uh, on uh, Texas, they have on the same street like five schools. Everybody got a student. California, uh, New York, whatever. Florida, it's not like that. Florida is not like that. Florida is hard because right here you have no have a, a no culture about like martial arts, and the culture that we have, I see the 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 the, the advertise the guy saying get your black belt in eighteen months. Hmm. So how you compete against that? Some guys get on my school and say like, no, but my son is a, is a black belt in karate. I say like, yeah, but uh, he, maybe they're helping him on the class. When he goes to the class, he got destroyed. So, and that's for me the worst thing that I, you can do for the kids is lie, saying like, you are black belt, you can do it. And it's, in 18 months, twice a week, you cannot even like, learning how walk in 18 months you see the kids with 18 months is walking like that uh, so it's not i don't think that anybody should sell that you know and then i was telling you uh, okay but like another thing that you're asking for struggling is like that i learned that lesson really bad when you open school, when you go to the college, when you open a business, when whatever. So the, the first thing, when you decide to do any project, anything, stop blame others because your mistakes. So how I know that? Because I did that my entire life. When I lost the tournaments, I blamed the referee. When I... I didn't, I didn't go well for anything. I blame, I, I blame anybody else. So I learned that on the, on the, when my school was like, for you understand, now I get a pretty good school. You know, everybody that come in here like, oh my God, that school is like very organized. Oh, we have all, you got to like impressive about my school, but wasn't like that in the beginning. On the first three years, I was paying to teach class. Three years. I, I, I did seminars, I fight, making money to pay the, the, the rent of the, the academy. Was a bad economy as well, but like, I was blaming bad economy. I was blaming uh, everybody. And the first mistake that you do, it's like this, and I see everybody doing is like, why your school is not big? Oh, you choose the wrong place. No. If you... If the place that you're living, people eating, studying, drinking, and the people's there, if you do everything right, you get a chance to succeed. If you blame the place, you're going to keep like going around and you're still doing bad, you know? So my school was bad about three years. And the one thing, I think you, you're probably going to ask me that, but I'm going to tell you now. That's a lesson that I learned from. That's what I'm gonna give for the, the guys that, that listen that. I was, 
I believe this was 2011, if I'm not wrong. I saw open up my school in 2009. And then one guy, he came to my school and said, like, I want to train jiu-jitsu. And I said, okay. He signed up. He, like, also I want to do a private class. I didn't have any private class at that time. And, like, uh, how much do you charge for private class? And I said, ah, $150 per class. Like, okay, uh, how do you charge? I say, oh, you pay me, you have a class. I say, okay, why you don't charge me, like, a couple classes in a half? So like, oh, I don't know. I didn't know, like, oh, no, no, you can't. No, no, I'm going to charge you three. And I put his credit card. And after a couple classes that I was teaching him, I realized he was a rich man really rich man, a businessman who succeeded very well. And then I started being friends because you, you train the guy every day, you and him, you know, face to face, you become a friend. So, and then he started talking about his business, doing well, this and that. It's like, oh, man. And then one day I was very frustrated. And then I came to him and said, man, I, I, I think you're going to quit. I think it, that's frustrating see uh, a lot of guys that had needed never fought now real black belt having my student than me i'm struggling with the students i was really you know bad on that day and then he like what are you talking about i said like oh my school is not doing well and he like no no you, you completely wrong you came to united states you didn't speak any english you open up the school in the worst economy ever, and you still open. That's a big, big thing. And he told me, you are the most uh, uh, successful guy that I met in my life. And I said, like, what the fuck this guy is saying? <laughs> and, but I get the point. I get the point. And after that, my life changed. I said, like, oh, this guy is right. I'm still here. I'm still doing. I will succeed no matter what. And then I start changing. It's like, okay, I got to do something better than things that I'm doing. I start like asking friends because that is a brand new uh, industry. You see a lot of guys selling this product that uh, are going to teach you uh, how manage your school. But it's nice on the video. It's nice on the seminar. But when you go on the, this, the, the school that he's run, it's all messed up, you know, for you sell something that thing is not, doesn't need to be good. Gotta looks good. Mm -hmm. If you're a seller, you can sell whatever the product that doesn't need to be good. So that's why I don't believe much on those guys, but I still listen and I still looking to learn from the mistakes. The thing that I said, uh, actually like, uh, Andrea Terence to give, uh, mm -hmm. Talk, spoke for you about this and then he's a he's a he's a great guy but he he came to me and asking me like can i come to your school to see how your school is going or no actually he asked me can you help me give me some tips i said like let me tell you something why you don't come in here to see with your eyes that you're going to believe better than i'm telling you because you know Everybody say, I have like 500 students, I have 700 students. But when you go on this school, he got a f three guys trained on the mat, four guys trained on the mat. 
and then I, I'm the guy that I need something real, you know, to believe. If you tell me you're good, I will ask you some question, and then you got to prove to me that you're good. You got to show me, look, I'm mean, doing this here. Look at this. This is nice. So I told him that was on, uh, on uh, Wednesday. I said, like, let's do that. Before you come here, today I didn't uh, say anything. Uh, it's not a special class. I'm going to take a picture of every class on my school, and you see how I'm doing. And I take, like, a uh, class on 4.30, 5, 6, 7, 8.30. And then I have a bunch, like, 30 kids on the mat. The class was great. And, like, oh, man, that's good. Okay, I'm coming. And when he's, a, he's a pretty good, like, businessman. He's a smart. But he saw like, oh, it's, it's bigger than I thought because on the, on the jiu-jitsu school, you got to worry about so many things. When I started, I thought like, okay, put a mat on the floor. I'm inside the mat. We good. That's the thing that never going to happen. I told him, you got to worry about how you clean your school. You got to thinking about, not about jiu-jitsu, but how you treat your students. You got to treat your student as a customer, not as a friend. Not convincing him he should stay on your school because you, 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 you are his friend. Because you cannot be friend of two, 200 people. So by now it's working. If you have like 30, 40, 50, 70, Okay, you can do that. But your school never going to grow because the model of the school that you're building is different. It's not a business. It's a club. And you got to be there every day. You got to be like shake everybody's hands. You cannot travel. You cannot compete because if you go, everybody stop coming. That should be a business that uh, jiu-jitsu is more important than than my, than, than, than me, my person being there. You know, so and then you need to have a sales program that it could be jujitsu or you you sign up for a course for car dealership. You don't selling car, but the idea is the same thing. The bigger mistake is like I did that too. I always uh, told Andrea and I always say, if you want to know the best way to uh, manage an academy. Probably I don't know, but to make your academy fail, ask me, I know everything. <laughs> Three months I put you because I did that. I have the experience of that. So when the, I started to like, guy come talk to me to sign up, say, yeah, I'm a world champ. You want to compete? This and that. It's like the guy look at me like, what the hell is he talking about? I just want to <laughs> lose some weight. So that's the point. First of all, the guy, when he come from martial arts school, he come like this, like, oh, my God, this guy going to beat me up. Oh, my God. You got to put the hand down first. Make a connection. And then explain him how the school works. And find out what he's looking for. If he's looking for uh, self-defense and you start telling him, oh, right, he's going to lose weight. He's going to like, oh, he called me fat. That's the point. First of all, you don't talk the same thing for every uh, guy. You got to find out with a conversation, not like reading a, a question on the paper. Oh, how old are you? 
How you hear about us? What are you looking for? Nobody answered the, the right question this way. But on the conversation that is talking like, oh, I have, right, right here we have a guy who, who lost a lot of weight. In the conversation, you can bring him to the, the idea of jiu-jitsu, you know? And then you start like have so many areas of uh, academy that uh, you got to have a guy who's uh, worrying about like advertising. But the other thing is, if you don't have a good service, what are you ad advertising for? You throw money away. So that was the, the one thing that I learned from the beginning. It's like, my school is a shit. I don't want to uh, spend the money uh, on advertising that I don't, I, don't, I don't have a good product yet. I got to spend money making my product better. Someday I can advertise in that. It's so many things. It's not like easy, like you have a mat, you have a guy and jiu-jitsu. Now, you need like, I have now in the two schools, I have like eight employees. Normally the guy have one employee, he put a guy to teach and like, who cares? You sell, you clean, but he's not doing that well, you know? So that's the biggest mistake you can do. It's when you don't understand about your business, you know? How? You got to study. You got to, our, our industry is brand new. Mm -hmm. We don't have a guy who, we don't have a college to learn from that. The, the, your college will be open up a school, make all the mistakes and like learning and fix it. That's what I, I did. You know, I, I, I said I did a college in my school about everything. It was like four years, like struggling. I barely could pay the, the bills, but that was a good, good uh, way to learn. Yeah, it's definitely an art. Of course, not only to run a business, but as far as jujitsu, we do have a lot of jujitsu owners, uh, school owners that listen to the podcast, and it's definitely an art. And you're 100% correct with go look for knowledge, you know, uh, little seminars or books or audiobooks or podcasts or whatever. You can get some, like you said, you don't have to accept everything. It's just like, let me see what this guy had to say. And you're like, huh, that's interesting. I think I want to try that. And you're like, huh, I don't like it. I'm not going to use that. But as even, long as you're being exposed to. Even if it's a, it's a bad, it's a good lesson. I don't Absolutely. do that. I tell, I tell all my students, I have uh, uh, the, 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 the very uh, uh, special uh, situation when you are blue and purple belt. When you blue and purple belt, you got a sickness. The sickness called I know everything. I, I, I had the, the, the sickness too. So when somebody comes, you, when you go teach, man, you had a lot of knowledge. You just like way before me. And then you come to the guy because the guy do good in tournament. You're like, oh, you should do that. You know that position? He like, oh, I know, I know, I know. But you know that? He stopped learning and start teaching. And he doesn't know shit. And <laughs> we, ha we had the knowledge. Say, okay, that, that's good. But I learned that when it was like... Blue and purple, like no, no, no. Now, when did the blue belt that don't know anything start teaching? Like, let me see what shit he's doing. But I never gonna do that. And then he's oh, that's bad. That's I don't do. We still learn from bad things, you know. Do you have the habit of reading or listening to, to audiobooks or anything like that? So I have a different way to learn. Okay. The other day, one of the, 
the kid that I trained with me, he came to me like, oh, I'm reading this book, this book. I say, okay, okay, okay. But you know, the book is a, is a guy idea. It's not like, okay, it's a book, it's right. So I always learn, but I'm thinking. I'm not trying to be like, okay, oh, this guy is my guru. He gonna, oh, he's saying I'm doing it. I say like, I'm not that type of person. I learn from you. I come to the tournament. I bump you and say, hey, Gustav, how are you? Uh, yeah, man, I, I, hear, I hear you doing podcasts. I'm thinking about do something. How you do it? And then it's like, oh, I read that book. I say, Look, okay, that's a sign that book makes sense. I don't keep like, because that's what people do. They're like, oh, my school not doing good. I should do something. Let me sign up for that class. Doesn't mean that class would be good, but it's still learning. But uh, most of the guys start doing to don't feel guilt. To don't, oh, I'm not doing anything. Let me do anything. I'm not the type of guy. Like I said, for, for me, thinking about do something, I really need something real. Because those guys that telling you like, oh, I'm the businessman. I'm going to teach you how to do this, how to do that. What type, what type of business he's in? He's not on the business. He's on the business. Tell people how to, how to do, but he not, no, he's not doing that. He's the guy who's like, oh, I, I helped this guy uh, build that thing here. Like, doesn't make sense. Why don't build yourself? You make more money. Building than selling uh, uh, courses or anything. You, you know what I mean? So I always try to learn, but I always try to learn from the people who's thinking, who is, okay, let me give you my side of the story. Not the guy who's always right. Oh, you got to do that because that's the right way. No, I, I like the guy, I like to discuss things. I don't like to. It is what it is. Well, I always have the question, why? And that's another lesson that I, I learned from Jiu-Jitsu. You learn way more Jiu-Jitsu when you ask, why my leg go here and not here? Because if you just repeat, the way the guys learn Jiu-Jitsu today, they get one position and start repeating like 100 times like this. That's, you do not learn anything. You just you get automatic, like robot. So... And ask you, like, why I do that? And the guy answer you, he's like, oh, I got it. And then your vision open for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm the type of the guy that always asking why. Somebody come to me and say, oh, this guy here, oh, he's doing this and that. So like, but why he's doing that? And the guy like, oh, uh, I don't know. So he didn't get uh, everything for the guy yet. He, because you got to understand the idea, not the... The way to do, because the way to do, you're going to repeat and probably it's not like going well to you. You know, you don't see the, 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 the CEOs of the big companies getting better because doing the same thing of the others. No, you're going to do something new. They're going to like surprise everybody. That's how the, the way I, I'm always trying to learn from the mistakes, but always trying to observing, uh, knowledge but knowledge to think not to copy mm -hmm. you, you understand what i mean yeah what would you say is the best advice one of the best advice that you've ever received in your life 
And you can use anything that pops in your mind. Could it be jujitsu? Could it be life, business, whatever? Anything that stands out to you? It was a long time ago. We we, we sign. We sounds like weird because uh, who who teach me that? But most of the time, we teach something very important for the guy. But we don't don't come out of our mouth very important. But for the guy. Is, is very important. One day, uh, Carlos Gracie Jr. was talking to me. We, we were like, get a lunch together. And then he was talking about if what happened if he won the lottery. Let's say he got like 50 minutes on the lottery. He said like, my life will keep the same. I'm going to drive a better car. I'm going to have a better house. But the thing that I do will not change. Because that's what I want, what I like to do. When the money changes you, and then there's a big, that big mistake. You don't know what coming next because you're not, you're, you're not being you anymore, you know. But look that. And now, what he allowed the 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 the, the grace Baha become is the opposite side of he teaching me. Hmm. So. Probably he teaching the lesson and he didn't get the point was uh, important to me. And probably he didn't get the lesson what he was saying, you know, because like just to uh, explain who some guys who understand the Grace Baha used to be the best school. Remember the time that we fight for Carson Grace, Novon Young. And now if you go on the... Uh, Adult division on the awards, they don't get in like between the best five team. So it's it's weird, but he teaches the lesson. I mm-hmm. learned it. If he didn't get the lesson, it's not my fault. <laughs> what did you say? What advice would you give to the your younger self, young Pedipon, when you move to the U.S., you start in a new new phase of your life. Not that you want anything oh, different, right? It's just I wasn't like a, I wasn't that young. I got thirty years old. Yeah, so, younger, younger yeah. version. Let's yeah. say a few years back. What did you tell him as one advice? Say, hey, dude, just watch this. It's like do everything again. It was a great uh, way to learn mm-hmm. because I'm I'm a way better person now. And that's the other thing. I came for I came from a poor family. I didn't have an expectation. Uh, it's different than the guy who had a. Everybody on the family is very successful. If I was able to eat and give food for my family, that's very successful from where I came. My mom and my daddy live in the Morro da Formiga in the favela in Brazil. And then uh, my family, we, we throw all my all my my uh, family from my mother and my my father. I nobody had a degree, nobody went to college. Now, uh, some of my aunts got a degree after forty years old. That's awesome, but I didn't have that expectation because. But but probably you you're not. You don't know what you're talking about. A lot of people don't have family and get a degree. You say like, yeah, let me tell you why. I just, I just hear about college 
when I was 20 years old. I didn't know you finish school, you got to go to college. That was a, the hmm. big deal for me. You know, I'm not saying we will be different because when I was 18 or already thinking about jujitsu, but I was like, oh, oh, college. What is college? No, college. You got to be a doctor. You got to go to college. I'm like, oh, I got it. So I didn't have that. That probably is like uh, missing communication from parents and kids. Yeah. My, my mom didn't have enough time to uh, teach me things. He got to feed me before. I mean, basically what I learned was on the street from my, my friends that wasn't a good <laughs> uh, example to me. But anyway, like I said, you can look for the bad and, and learn from the bad. Absolutely. You're still able to learn. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. So for all the listeners, for the first time that if you're listening to the podcast after the interview, I do what I call the final thoughts. I just basically reflect on an interview and I create a content from five to 12 minutes, usually uh, sharing my takeaway. So uh, make sure to stick around after the interview. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on with your academy, your organization? Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, we are already talking about a little bit uh, about this, but uh, my, my goal now, what I'm like into, it's making my school better, not bigger. I explained you what, like I said, I always have that question. I ask you already. If you look for you, your school and you're proud of, this is a very successful school. Oh, but this guy, he just have like 50 students. He's proud of? Yeah, that's very, very successful. He pay his bills. He feed his family. This is a very successful guy. But if you have a awesome school that numbers like have 300 students you're making a lot of money but you look for your school and you'll be like you're shame about it you're gonna probably gonna you want to sell it and i said to my friend like oh you your school how how much worth your school i said like man you don't want to listen my <laughs> evaluation so my probably, I believe in a hundred million dollars because I'm saying that because there's no price for that. When you're thinking about selling, it's because you did a, such a poor job because your students is not worth anything. They, I think, I think for you build a good school, take a 10 years. I'm going to explain you why. I measure school about level how tough the training is. I'm not saying everybody going to be tough, but I, you know, like I'm going to visit your school and you like, oh, training for this guy here, he's good. That's how you're proud of your school, you know? And then when you see, uh, when I start, I had that vision already. Say so I want, I really wanted that be proud of my jiu-jitsu instructor, you know? The way I teach jiu-jitsu, if, if the, the way I teach got some result, not to be a champ or anything, but the, I have a guy with 50 years old that trains hard as hell, so that's how coming. Uh, 
uh, the the level. And then uh, I I always see that when you start, doesn't matter how good you are teaching, your first uh, students won't be good. Why? Because you don't have training that are going to bring the level up. So the first students are going to be okay, going to take a while, but the second one will be a little bit better because those guys will be training mm-hmm. for this. On the third le- uh, line, will be better. Your school just will be better when you have a good partner training. And that's how I measure the the level and if you, you but this is not saying I'm right that's my vision some guy you see like you know some guys like they lying for people they don't teach you just right and they have a lot of students okay it, it, it it's kind of like success on the vision of a businessman that didn't learn Jiu-Jitsu in the right way. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Those schools that teach, they give a black belt in four years, twice a week. This guy never, ever going to think about level because he doesn't know what you're talking about. You remember how long it took for you to get your blue belt. You remember how long it took for you to get your purple belt. And you competing. You won the best on your academy. And now the guy go to those schools, get a two dots on the card, and the end of the month, get a strike. So I don't, I don't believe in that. But if you, that's why I'm worrying about the future of Jiu-Jitsu, that I want to create a seeds that are going to spread Jiu-Jitsu on the right way. I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like swimming on the wrong direction, mm-hmm. but I was still doing it until I, I think I'm, I'm doing it right. Yes, sir. Man, it's been a great interview. It's a pleasure to have you here. And how can people reach you or know more about your work, your website and everything? Yeah, the, the website of the school is uh, marciocruzbjj.com. And you can find us on the Instagram, Facebook, marciocruzbjj as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for the interview. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fifth degree black belt Marcio Pedipano Cruz. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Pedipano is a six-time IBJJF world champion, a DCC world champion, and a UFC veteran. He owns and operates two academies in Florida. He shared how he transferred his competition mindset to business. He talked about taking responsibility and stopping blaming others for your own mistakes, something that he mentioned he did himself early in his career. My takeaway from the interview came right at the beginning of the interview when I asked how jiu-jitsu relates to life, and his answer was the ability to solve problems. As you already know, you're consistently dealing with problems in jiu-jitsu, and you have to find your way out. When you don't see the way out, you have to tap out, learn from the situation, and move on. This is true for jiu-jitsu, personal, and or professional life. With that said, I decided to title this episode Solving Problems Using a BJJ Mindset. During my research for these final thoughts, I found an article on Forbes.com by Kara Golden 
titled The Four Steps to Solving Any Business Problem. And I'm going to share with you her concepts using some jiu-jitsu analogies. And hopefully, this can help you to solve some of your problems in jiu-jitsu and or your business. Well, jiu-jitsu is a master class in problem solving. You're consistently dealing with roadblocks your opponents or training partners are throwing at you that are preventing you from making progress in achieving your desired goal. That is why the first step makes a lot of sense, which is break it down. I'm not sure where you're currently at in your jiu-jitsu journey, but do you remember your early days in jiu-jitsu as a white belt? Positions and situations that you handle a lot better now were very challenging back then, right? Like opening the close guard, for example. You are trying your hardest to progress your position and achieve your desired goal, which is to open the guard, then deal with a new problem, some type of open or half guard, to hopefully pass the guard to get to a dominant position and eventually have control of your opponent. All that while he or she is throwing all kinds of roadblocks and traps all over you to prevent you from achieving your goal. You have some problems to solve. Very often when you start training, especially with someone with more experience than you, you probably got stuck in someone's close guard at some point. So you had to break down the situation and ask yourself, okay, I keep getting stuck in here or getting swept or submitted consistently. Why does this continue to happen? Which leads you automatically to step number two, take a look back. Jiu-Jitsu is all about pattern recognition. At one point, you start to realize, okay, every time I extend my arm here, something bad happens. What if I tuck it in? Oh, wow, that solves the problem. Then the next time someone goes for the arm bar, now you're more aware because you recognize the pattern. Again, every time my arm is here, something bad happens. Another simple scenario. Okay, every time I lean forward, I end up getting swept. What if I sit back? That solves this specific problem. As you get more experienced training partners, they will throw some traps at you, situations where you think you're fine and you're doing great and the next thing you get caught with an attack, a submission for example. You have to tap, look back, and analyze what happened. How can I prevent this from happening or at least minimize the chance of this happening again? How? Two ways, pattern recognition and asking for help, which lead us to step three, bring in the team. If you don't have enough knowledge in that specific situation yet to recognize or deal with this pattern, you must ask for help to someone who might have more experience than you, either your instructor or teammates that can help you to solve this problem. And finally, number four, be easy on yourself. As Kara mentions in the article, quote, problem solving can be stressful, but the great thing is that most problems can and will be solved. Take it easy on yourself, unquote. It can be frustrating being consistently in trouble with a specific scenario, but through trial and error, pattern recognition can help you make progress. Is it guaranteed that you never make the same mistake? Of course not, but at least you have better odds of not making the same mistake. Now, how can you transfer this jiu-jitsu mindset of solving problems to your business in life? Remember, the first step is to break down. What is the problem? Kara mentions in the article, quote, First and foremost, cut all the noise and strip the issue down so you really understand what needs to be done in order to fix the problem you're facing, unquote. Then, Number two is take a look back. Have you ever heard of the definition of insanity? 
keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Peripano's business only started to thrive when he took full responsibility for his choices and decisions. He realized that blaming others or location or the academy was not helping him to solve his problem. During the interview, he mentioned how one of his students, a successful businessman, opened his mind to a more constructive business mindset, which leads us to step number three, bring in the team. In the moment that he was stuck, an outside point of view with more business experience than him helped him to see a different perspective that until that point, he didn't have the clarity to see it and change his business. What is the major problem that you're dealing with your business or any other area of your life? Is this something that you have control or not? Break it down. Look back why you might be dealing with the situation right now. You must take full responsibility to accept the fact that no matter where you're at in your life, it's all based on the choices and decisions that you made. If you feel stuck, bring in the team. Ask for help to someone you trust and might have experienced a similar problem before. It might help you to give you a different perspective. And number four, be easy on yourself. If you're going through some problems right now, an undesired outcome, Accept that the fact cannot be changed. Only your response to the fact can be changed. Dwelling on the fact won't help you with anything. A good way to be easy on yourself is through acceptance. Accepting that you did the best you could with the emotional maturity you had at that moment. If you knew better, you'd have done differently, but you didn't know. And now you do. Remember the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. So break down the problem identify the pattern, ask for help if needed, and be easy on yourself. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. <laughs>